The North Carolina Healthcare Association is a proud sponsor of the Do Politics Better podcast. The association is a united voice for hospitals, health systems, and care providers to ensure they can offer high quality, lower cost care to all North Carolinians. Visit nchealthcare.org to learn more about how hospitals and health systems are working to make healthcare easier, more convenient, and with better outcomes. It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. Today is the first day of early voting, so welcome to the 2024 election season. Saw signs up this morning for vote here. Early voting sites set up on my route from Cary to the office. Have actually a neighbor who, uh, you know, every year she works the election. She's like a precinct judge or something like that. And, you know, these are kind of some unsung heroes. These are folks that do a lot of work for the state, don't get a lot of pay, put up with a lot of BS from folks who aren't at their best. You know, they're trying to keep people from electioneering across the line, make sure people are feeling safe, but uh, really do salute everyone who's out there working. And a way you can salute them is by voting early and having your voice heard in this election. Plenty of choices out there on both the Democratic side and the Republican side. Uh, But let's get into the news. There has been a date set for the voter ID lawsuit, which has now been going on for six years, I believe. That will begin on May 6th. You can depend on three things in this world. Voter ID lawsuits, Leandro lawsuits, and road construction. I thought you were going to say redistricting. (laughs) Yeah, redistricting. (laughs) Throw that in there, too. We had an executive order from Governor Roy Cooper this week. Yeah, this was kind of quiet. I didn't even see anything about it until the insider the next day. I didn't see it on Twitter. But this was a fairly broad environmental exact order. A lot of it seems to have stemmed out of the farm bill and that wetlands provision that was heavily discussed during the legislative session. We were proud to see the native plant policy that was included in the executive order. We do represent Audubon, North Carolina. We worked on that with Senator Bill Rabin over the last two bienniums, and uh, it's great to see that expand through executive order. Big news this week as it pertains to President Trump's re-election efforts. He has weighed in and made a formal endorsement of two North Carolinians. Michael Watley, who currently serves as GOP chairman here in North Carolina. Donald Trump would like to see him lead the RNC. That's the Republican National Committee. And he tapped his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, who's from Wrightsville Beach down in New Hanover County. What's interesting is we talked about this, whether we were going to include it last week on the podcast, but we wanted to wait until there was something a little more concrete. But I think what's interesting about this whole story is that the current RNC chair, Ronna McDaniel, has not stepped down. Uh, You know, usually we are deferential to the nominees or the sitting president, for that matter. So I imagine the party, uh, the Republican Party, Right now, I think we could all agree, is the party of Trump, and uh, he will have his way here. It would be extraordinary for him not to. 
something that also went a little under the radar. This was one of the weeks, once every month, that the legislature holds for an administrative session or if they need to, to come back into session. And last year, what happened a lot was that those were the days that Speaker Moore and Senator Berger spoke to the press. And that also happened this week. Made some major announcements of what we should not expect in the short session. First and foremost, casinos. Been a huge topic of conversation since last session, the end of session, when we had that dramatic standoff between the Senate and House. And finally, the Senate said, okay, we're not going to do it, but uh, we are going to see another gambling provision that may advance, although. Senator Berger wasn't so sure. That is VLT's video lottery terminals. And I don't really know much about that. I'm not going to lie. I could be wrong. But I think this is a fancy way of saying... Slots and gas stations. Yeah, the slot machines and gas stations, which the sheriffs in the past have called a scourge. And I I guess I see the benefit of both casinos and VLTs. You know, you might as well legalize and regulate something. These VLTs keep popping up in grocery stores and gas stations and things like that. But I really don't know how VLTs are more acceptable than casinos, like as as if that's more politically palatable, but I guess so. I don't know. But Senator Berger did say in response to Speaker Moore's uh, assertion that VLTs could move, he's like, I don't know. So I uh, don't know if they're just not seeing eye to eye on some of these provisions, but certainly a uh, short session agenda uh, is being talked about now by House and Senate leadership. Additionally, as you'll recall, we covered the two big elections bills last year, Senate Bill 747 and 749, as you like to quote, what do they call it, the jumbo jet? (laughs) That's right. Either voter integrity, or if you're a Democrat, you say it's the jumbo jet of voter suppression. Yesterday, in talking to the press, Speaker Moore said, hey, there's going to be another one of those bills this year. Yeah, said that he thought early voting was just way too long. You know, those first few days of early voting are pretty dead. Uh, There's like a little bump at the beginning, and then there's a dead spot, and then it picks up the next week. Uh, Speaker Moore might be on to something, saw it as a way of maybe saving some money on elections or putting more resources in those other days. But uh, I imagine that will be a political fight. Democrats have always been of the opinion that should have as many days as possible for voting. And Republicans are like, yeah, but it's not a good use of limited resources. So, again, the short session agenda is starting to take shape a little bit. Additionally, he wanted to change some of our voter ID laws to ensure there is not fraud. Berger was like, ah, let's just see how our current law plays out. Yeah, this is the first full election with voter ID. That's right. I think they had it at municipal elections Mm -hmm. in 2023, but this is a much bigger stage. Race of the week. This week, we're going over to Nash County, District 25. It's a house race. This is a rematch of the 2022 election between 
Yvonne McLeod, and Representative Alan Chesser. Now, Representative Chesser is in his first term in the General Assembly, so he's defending his seat. This was one of the closer races in 2022. In this primary in 2022, the vote differential was just over 300 votes. Again, Representative Chesser was not in the General Assembly. It was a open primary. He seems to have the benefit of being an incumbent. You and I were talking about some of the fundraising that we saw in the last report. The beginning of 2024, he has about $105,000 cash on hand, which is a lot for a state house race. Yvonne McLeod has about 10000 Uh, We talked to some folks on the ground in Nash County. They said that she's raised some money since uh, that filing. So she is getting money in. There's going to be some mail. Uh, Representative Chesser, we hear, has done about four pieces so far. I think Uh, we will see mail by Miss McLeod. Miss McLeod has an interesting background. She's a naturalized citizen. She's from Jamaica. She actually came here as a swimmer, uh, met her husband, and has made North Carolina her home. Back in 2022, with it being an open seat, uh, both of these candidates were a fresh slate, but Representative Chesser now does have a voting record, so we have seen some contrast between the two candidates. Ms. McLeod seems to have taken issue with Uh, Representative Chester's perceived support of casinos, uh, that was a big issue this past session. And Nash County was slated to get a casino. Of course, that all faded there at the end, and we're seeing it pop up in this election. Uh, We should also point out that Ms. McLeod, although an underdog, she has managed to get two major endorsements by two major organizations that are important in Republican primaries. She has endorsements from Grassroots North Carolina and the NC Values Coalition. You know, when you have a voting record, it kind of complicates things. And we saw the press release that Ms. McLeod put out about her getting the Grassroots NC endorsement. And she seemed to all about the amendment that Representative Chesser uh, did on a gun bill that was supported by grassroots. But there's more to that than just, they're saying that he weakened the bill. But can you explain exactly what that was? Well, I'm biased on this issue, and we represent the Coalition Against Domestic Violence. There is a federal law that state law has to match for domestic violence perpetrators to not be able to have a firearm. And our state law did not have the matching definition. So this would have allowed us to match up with the federal definition to be able to prevent that. He's getting pinged for complying with federal law, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know grassroots NC, not known for its nuance. We do understand that the NRA understands what's at stake here, and they have endorsed Representative Chesser. So make of it what you will. If you have questions, of course, you can always reach out to Sky on all things domestic violence. But call um, Brian, and then he'll ask me. That's, that's what everyone else does. That's right. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a whole other issue. We should talk about that at some point. Uh, how folks call me first. Want to note that Representative Chester, if you look at his fundraising, he does have not only support from the community, but it's apparent to us that Representative Destin Hall, Representative Jason Sane, Speaker Tim Moore, Senator Jim Perry are all donors to the Chesser campaign. On the other side of this primary sky, is there a Democrat waiting for them? Whoever wins this primary will be facing Lorenza M. Wilkins. Okay. This primary will be decided on March 5th. Early voting has started. If you have a race you would like for us to profile, and right now we're looking at primary races, uh, send us a note. And thank you to everyone who helped us profile this race. This week, we got the opportunity to sit down with not only Senator Eddie Settle, but his wife, Sheila, as well. They were both here, and we enjoyed talking to them. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Senator Eddie Settle, welcome to the podcast. To start us off, tell us about your district. Where is it and what makes it special? Uh, it's District 36. It's Wilkes, Surrey, Yadkin, and Alexander counties. Uh, I'd say a very rural district, northwest North Carolina. Very heavily a red district. Uh, Yadkin has been labeled probably the reddest county in the state. So, um, it's very red. Surrey County was a blue county at once mm-hmm. and, and uh, is now deeply red. But Wilkes has always been a red county. It's, uh, in fact, in the Civil War, it was labeled the old United States. Is that right? Because uh, they didn't want any part of that war. So it goes way back. Alexander. Also, they, most of the rural areas, you know, have turned red. We understand you have deep ties to your community in just about every aspect. Can you talk a little bit about that? And by the way, you're here with your wife today. She's just sitting two feet over from you. Can you, you can talk about her as well? Well, we uh, we do. We we both are originally from the great state of Wilkes, <clears throat> which is our motto. And I, I before I left uh, my commission seat. I had that signage put up at every corner. When you enter Wilkes County, welcome to the great state of Wilkes, which is our, uh, that's our, our motto or whatever, because there was no western boundary to Wilkes County mm. way back, and there was a, a word that is common in Wilkes called gomming, mm. just gomming. People say, what have you been doing, Dave? Well, messing and gomming. And you can go to the county over, and they don't know what you're talking about. But it's native in, in Wilkes, in the mountains, and into Tennessee. <clears throat> and Appalachian State University did a, a, a study of that word. And in north of San Antonio, it's common there. And they had found that when Davy Crockett went to the Alamo, he took those Scotch-Irish with him. And the word actually means gaming. And that's, uh, that's just native mostly to our, our county. Mm. We have several phrases that are a little unusual that I use sometimes in the General Assembly, and they'll say, we have no idea what you mean. <laughs> so we're, we feel a little unique. Uh-huh. 
When you say you're gaming, does that mean maybe you're goofing off or you're playing around? I believe it was hunting back in the day. It was just gaming. Gaming, you know, hunting mm-hmm. game. Okay. And, uh, and our area was settled by the Scotch-Irish, and it was, uh, that's just a phrase that was used. We, everyone in Wilkes, you can go to anyone and say, gaming, what does that mean? They'll say, well, just messing around or doing nothing, but it actually means gaming. Okay. So you grew up in the area. You met your wife in the area. I did. She was the homecoming queen. Uh, All right. <laughs> anyway, we, her dad was an uh, independent Baptist preacher, and I would try to date her, and he would say, no, no. And so finally, after the fifth or sixth time, he agreed to let us date if we double dated with her sister. And uh, when we went out the door that night, I can remember it like today, he said 10 o'clock. And that was the only word he said to me. I got in the car. I, I told what would be my future brother-in-law. I said, uh, you be sure we're back here at 15 to 10. Okay. I don't want that man upset with me. Yeah. How old were you then? I was uh, 17. Okay. We were, we were kids. Yeah. That's great. We were kids when we got married, actually. And lifelong educator? Uh, she was an accountability director for Elkin City Schools and uh, also had the uh, same job in Wilkes County Schools before moving to Elkin. But she's been in uh, education for 30 years. So homecoming queen, Sheila was the homecoming queen. We heard from Senator Mary Wills Bodie. You refer to her as the queen. I do. <laughs> 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 I, I do and have for years and years. You know, uh, uh, that's just between us. I say, "Where's the queen?" And the children say, "She's downstairs, Dad." I have always referred to her as the queen. Can you talk to us about your your livelihood, your business? I know working in the Senate can't pay all the bills. I'm sure it pays a lot of bills, but not all the bills. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> we were. Uh, my dad. Uh, started the Yadkin Enterprise newspaper in 1966 and sold the paper in 1970 and incorporated New Line Printing, which which derived from the paper. And uh, we were in the printing business, and when I got out of, uh, I went to Wilkes Community College, got out, I went to work for my dad. I knew that's what I was going to do. We had photography studios. We had uh, the printing business, and we just it just grew into other things, signage and so on. And I had a sister to pass away in 1994. So dad closed the studio in North Wilkesboro and kept the printing. And I bought the printing in 95. Mm. And I kept it until April of last year and sold that to an employee. Um, The COVID was tough on our business. Mm -hmm. Very, very tough on the printing business. So we sold that. But we've been in the cattle business since 1990. And we just recently purchased uh, another a plant to, so we can process our beef. All right. And uh, we're right in the middle of that now. So we're, we're, uh, we're saving steers. We want to be able to sell natural beef. Growing up, we always just bought a cow and ate off it for the entire year. And I always tell people that's the cheapest way to eat. We can help you, Scott. Okay. <laughs> $5 a pound. Okay. <laughs> oh, we get a little advertisement. $5 a pound will ship directly to your home. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Just need a freezer. That's right. You need a freezer. Okay. Yeah. Got a freezer. So you were first elected to the County Board of Commissioners in 2012? Yes. What got you deciding to get involved in politics? I was in, at coaching, middle school. 
and I would see issues with uh, with my kids, you know, uh, there at school, and I wanted to be more involved in that, and I, I felt the best way to do it was was to be as a county commissioner. Hmm. And there were other issues that I, that um, I like to keep our taxes low in our county. And I had a guy when I when I first ran, he said, Eddie, you can do a lot of things in Wilkes. You can you can make liquor. They'll vote for you. You can lots of things, and they'll vote for you. But if you ever raise taxes, you're fired. <laughs> they'll fire you the next election. And I was, and we we did that, and we never raised our taxes, but uh, we had a good fund balance. We kept our people paid, and uh, we we run a, a good conservative government in Wilkes, and they still do. Let's talk about your decision to run for the Senate. It's 2022. It's an open primary, but a former senator. Files to run, Senator Shirley Randleman served in both the House and the Senate. That had to be a tough primary. Can you talk about your decision to jump in that race? It was very, it was, it was tough, and I was, uh, I enjoyed being a commissioner. I enjoyed the work. I was right in the, really the heat of the, of the speedway, trying to get it back, and had been working on that a while. And I got a call that there would be a new district. They were redistricting. And I said, well, where is it? Wilkes, Sir Yadkin. And maybe Alexander, we don't know. Could be Allegheny, and it's not sure. And I said, well, that, I'd be interested in running for that if, that if that is the district. And it's open. We don't have an incumbent. Because our incumbent was, uh, who was it? Deanna Ballard. That's right. And uh, I'd never run against Deanna Ballard, so I just kind of forgot about it. And then a guy called, and he said, you need to file. He said, it's going to be, and he told me the counties. And I said, well, if it is, I will file for that seat because I feel led that I can I can serve these people. Mm-hmm. That's my home. Elkin sits in the center of the tri what they call the Tri County, but I didn't know a human being in Alexander County. Okay, is that right? So anyhow, we felt led to do it, and then uh, with uh, Senator Randleman, former senator, running and. Uh, it was pretty contested because she is a very hard worker, and we had two other opponents. But uh, Miss Randleman is 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 a tough opponent, tough yeah. tough opponent. Post election, y'all good? We're good. Uh, at one of our last GOP meetings, she came up and uh, she she put her arm around me and she said, yeah. "Eddie, I'm going to run for county commissioner." And I said, "Are you serious?" She said, "Yes, sir." And I believe she'll win. She'll okay. do a good job. All right. Shirley's a hard working person. Very much so. She goes at it tough and a tough opponent. She's taught me a lot in in politics. How would you say your transition as a family has been from the county board of commissioners to serving at the state level and your wife works with you as well? How has that been? When we won the the election, I was here for a county commissioner association meeting. I served, I chaired the agriculture committee for the state county commission board and we had an event here and Raleigh, and someone said, you know, my wife is my legislative assistant. I said, really? Can So you can hire your wife? For, and oh, yes, my wife's mine. So Sheila was, I think, in Wilmington on a little vacation, and I called and said, uh, I think I've got a job for you. She said, uh, you don't have a job for me. I've retired from the state of North Carolina, and uh, you're not messing up my retirement. So I called Dale Falwell and said, Dale, is it possible that she can still be retired and work. She, he said, yes, sir. So mm-hmm. I called back, and she had to pray about it and think about it a little. And and uh, I'm glad she did because I was here 200. We, we were in session 280 days last year, and uh, 
we've got a little condo down here. It's in okay. town, okay. and we've never lived in town, so it was a new experience. But she really likes it. That'd be a long way to be away from. Uh, we've been married forty three years apart, so it worked out real well. Yeah. And for our listeners out there, Del Falwell's the treasure, so he knows uh, what's allowed or disallowed. I want to talk to you about your transition in, kind of a follow-up to what Sky was asking. So we chatted a little bit last night with Senator Benton Solry, Senator Mary Wills Bodie. Of course, Senator Solry is a Republican, Senator Bodie's a Democrat. You guys are seatmates. We are. You know, Senator Solry just had a lot of great things. He mentioned your football experience, coaching at the middle school level, your love of Alabama football. I said to ask you about that, and we are going to ask you about that. But I thought it was interesting, Senator Bodie, a Democrat, had very glowing things to say about you. He's got a heart of gold and clear visibility of his North Star. Deep man of faith, the opposite of pretentious. What's your reaction to that? That's very kind of Senator Bodie. (laughs) We, uh, of course, you know, both of those, uh, Benton and Mary Wills, one to the left and one to the right, and they're a lot younger than I am, but we're all three freshmen. Uh, People talk about politics in Raleigh, politics in Washington, and the hate and so forth. I tell them at home, I said, I don't see that in Raleigh. Mary Wills is, is a fine, fine person. I've got to know her and to know her heart. When you sit beside someone every day during session for that period of time, you get to know them in a little bit. And Benton, I've seen Benton so uh, involved in these issues that his hand would shake mm-hmm. at, a, at a couple of them, a couple mm-hmm. of bills that we passed. And they're, they're both some of the smartest people I know. And Mary Wills, uh, she would come by my office when my granddaughter was born and, and uh, see my wife, and she'd come by and see me. And it's, it's, it's different than just being colleagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're truly friends. And uh, her mother came down, and we, they had some kind of little deal going on here in town, and she was a part of that. And I'd never met her, but I wanted to meet her. And I said, you have certainly raised a fine young lady in Mary Wills Bodie. Mm-hmm. And she said, thank you. That uh, I'm glad you guys have become friends. We would kid a little there together. And I think maybe the last session we were in, you know, you have five seconds to, <laughs> to vote. And uh, I hadn't voted yet, quite yet. And she leaned over and she said, Eddie, you haven't voted. I said, oh, give, give me a She said, you want me to help? I said, no. So she, <laughs> she, she would lean over because... A lot of, of course, you can look back on, on the record, but we voted opposite quite a bit. Uh-huh. But uh, that that never got in our way. I mean, we saw things differently, sure. but we still were friends. And uh, I think we miss that in politics in general in our, our nation. You can agree to disagree and move on. Yeah. I, I know Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan would go to dinner together after fighting all day. Right. And, and it seems like those days are gone. For some reason, but I don't have any hate for anyone in that building. Be great to see those days come back. I hope so. I want to ask you about your brand of conservatism in the General Assembly. Well, I'm I'm conservative, probably one of the more conservative in there, but I weigh everything before I make a decision. I weigh both sides. I look, I listen to everybody, uh, the left, the right, middle, at home. Uh, and I weigh it all before I vote, and I pray about it. I always pray about my what I'm going to do. Uh, there's a higher power than, than Eddie mm-hmm. that knows more than Eddie knows. Mm-hmm. So I always I always weigh everything out and do that. And, and uh, I've always been conservative. My dad was a 
conservative. My family has always been in that way. But but my dad would uh, he would vote for a Democrat hmm. back in those days as easy as would a Republican. And I remember once it was a dispute in my family because he had he had supported a Democrat. And uh, someone said, why did you do that? And he said, because he thinks like I do. Okay. I don't care what, what's beside his name. He thinks like I do. And back home, Jesse Helms was huge. Yeah. And I worked for a fella when uh, when I was 16. I would work down at uh, in the summers. I'd go down at the furniture factory and work during the day. And at night, I would go to the Wilco and uh, pump gas at night, you know, trying to make some money. And uh, the guy that ran the Wilco was a strong Democrat, and he had a bumper sticker that said, Jesse-crat. Okay. And uh, I said, Frank, do you vote for any other Republicans? He said, no, that's that's it. Just he a- said, but I love Jesse Hams. There's a lot of Jesse-crats at home. It used to be back in those days. So you mentioned your granddaughter, and we both were talking about this interview with you yesterday, and we were talking about when you gave that impassioned speech on the floor about your granddaughter, very emotional speech. We just want to check in on how things are. Well, things are good. She, uh, of course, she was born at a pound and three ounces. She could fit in your hand, and my my wedding ring would fit over her leg. And uh, she was born like two days before that debate. And so it did pull at our heartstrings because we had twins and lost the little boy at 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And she was 26 weeks, and my daughter had uh, contracted COVID and preeclampsia. And uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning, it looked like we might lose both. And she was born, and everything is good. She spent the weekend at our home this last weekend. She's up to 15 pounds now. Wow. And uh, it's it's uh, trying, and, and she's learning and so attentive and, you know, you lay there with her, and she looks at you right in your eyes, and I think, what is she thinking, you know, mm-hmm. that little six-month-old baby? Everything is really good with her, and thank you for asking. Yeah, and that's your first grandchild? It is, Charlotte yeah. Ann. She's a, she, to us, she's just a little perfect little baby, isn't she, honey? I bet <laughs> she is perfect. That's great. Great news. It is. It's good stuff. We want to get to Senator Solry's mention of your football experience. We all kind of want to know, how does a Alabama fan happen here in Wilkes County or in North Carolina? How did that come to be? Well, when I was in high school, Alabama won back-to-back national championships. And my dad, uh, he, he loved football, and he coached middle school, or was that back then it was just 7th, 8th grade mm-hmm. football. You know, I always followed Carolina. I loved Carolina. Uh, Dick Crum had some good teams. But Alabama and the Southeast Conference was just always another level. And I liked the best. And I would watch and follow what they did all through the years. I loved Bear Bryant as a kid. He was he was a household name in my house. Dad uh-huh. loved him. And they were from the South. And Dad said, we don't pull for teams up north, son. Okay. <laughs> He said, no Notre Dame's here. So uh, we always followed Alabama. I did all the way through, and we married. And we go to quite a few games now. We we enjoy going down. It's just so far away. But uh, we do follow them and uh, Nick Saban all the way through. And when I coached my middle school team at the end of practice, I'd say, okay, guys, give me a roll tide. And that coach can't do that. <laughs> so, you know, they were, they were all Carolina State or Duke kids mostly some wake forest because wake's close to home and uh, my daughter went to east carolina and we we 
contributed quite a bit to ECU and went to a lot of those games. Mm-hmm. And I thought that State and East Carolina had a, a, a rival that was hard to beat. You think the SEC comes to North Carolina? With this? I've heard rumor right. that Carolina and NC State could possibly be moving to the SEC. I don't know. It's so interesting. Well, it's interesting when you go down, Alabama has a hundred and, I don't know, two, three thousand. It's like a Roman cathedral. Yeah. It's a whole other world as far as football in the deep south. What did you play in football? I played a little quarterback, running back, and linebacker. Okay. And back in my day, it was just way different. Uh, I remember receiving a kickoff. I went down the field, and, and back then, they would teach you to put your head down. And I had a concussion, I know, and they, I run back to the sideline. They took a towel and rolled it up, put it around my helmet, and slapped me on the rear and said, let's go. you got a quarterback. <laughs> okay. Uh, What's your favorite thing about coaching middle schoolers? That's a good question. Uh, you know, the relationship you build with those kids never, ever leaves. And and I was a very tough disciplinarian to a fault almost. Uh, old school, in 26 years, we won 10 Super Bowls, and we finished uh, second, I don't remember, six times, I believe, but never finished below third, but twice. I mean, we didn't have the greatest athletes, but they would play hard. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. And, and it was... Uh, it was the challenge was to get everyone on the same page, get everybody to buy in on the same page. Was middle school we didn't have the weight room programs and things. Mm-hmm. We'd just get out there after school and play, and I wanted them to be the toughest team in the league. If we lost, we we're going to still finish the toughest. We got through. We shook everyone's hand. Everyone on my team shook the opponent's hand, and if I got beat, I looked the coach in the eyes and shook his hands. Good game. You, mm-hmm. you, you beat us. But I wanted our, my kids to learn to be a man. Mm-hmm. and what it takes to be a man. It's getting tougher and tougher. I could see that. And then the COVID, you know, come in, and it's hard to get a, a lot of the guys out now to play, and they've got so many distractions with the cell phones and the games and the iPads and so on. And there's parents seem to not want their kids to play. Our, our local high school has a hard time. We, I think we're a 3A high school, and kids have to play on both sides of the ball just to fill out a squad. It, it is it's getting harder. I've got a friend that coached and went to Mount Airy, and he would start 22 players mm-hmm. at a small 1A school at East Wilkes. He had 11 offense and 11 defense. Really? The year before last, he left. He won 13 straight games and 11 on the JV team, mm-hmm. starting 22 players at a school of 450, which I t- didn't think he could ever do, but he did. That's, wow. Got more kids out to play, I think. So, Senator Bodie mentioned this, and you mentioned it as well, that you are a man of deep faith. Does that come from your wife's family being Baptist preachers, or have you always been a person of faith? No, you can't. No, that's from a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that factors into my voting as well. I always I pray about these issues, and that's number one. If it can pass that test... Uh, it can pass, but that, the, and I would always hope that that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I'm a human, and I make lots of mistakes, in, including with the Lord. And the Lord knows my shortcomings <laughs> and failures. But that uh, that relationship with Christ is always number one. But there was a time when the your your wife's father, the independent Baptist minister, said no to you taking her out. You must have not have uh, been as close to the Lord back then. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I will say I got saved after that. <laughs> he, he uh, uh, you know, in high school I was a little rowdy, and uh, I think maybe some of that had gotten back okay. uh, to my future father-in-law. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he said uh, you're not dating that. You're not dating Eddie Settle. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we did become like best friends after yeah. after we got married, and he saw that uh, I would take care of his little girl. Well, Miss Sheila's over here smiling. So <laughs> it seems to all check out. <laughs> so we always close with a question about our current politics. Things are incredibly divided today. And if you had a magic wand, you could fix anything in our politics, political, policy, whatever, what would it be? If I could fix anything, I think we should listen to each other more and, and sit down and have discussions and, and quit being pretentious to make your side happy. Sit down with the other side and, and look each other in the eyes and say, what can we do to make this better? Let's work on this issue and this issue and this issue to make it better. Uh, I've learned that when I came down here, I've had several mentors uh, that have helped me a lot. They've taken me in, Jim Perry and uh, Senator Todd Johnson. Uh, Senator Berger. Senator Berger is a very fair man, very fair. And we, you may not agree, or the other side may not, but he listens, and he's a great leader. Um, Vicky Sari's been another one. Michael Lazara. I've I've had a lot of those those folks that I will call and discuss issues with them. And I think that just like uh, we all agree that voter integrity is a top issue to me. I know in 2016, Miss Clinton couldn't believe she had lost the election. That there was voter integrity issues. Then the same thing in 2012 when President Trump won. Voter integrity issues. So I think there's, there's got to be a way for all of us to come together, both sides, and say we need to, we, if, it's, if there's any misdoing, mishandling, whatever, to just make it so apparent and so clear that there's not. There's ways to do that. I don't have all the answers, but uh, so that someone can come in and say, you cheated. No, we didn't. Here is what, here's what transpired. Everything is transparent and clear. I'd like to see that in our state and county by county, a way that no one can say that. We live in a great country, and we all have an opportunity to make things better. And uh, just like your podcast, Do Politics Better, well, let's make things better in our country and our state. And, when, and it's one side can't fix it. Mm-hmm. It takes both. Senator Eddie Settle, we appreciate everything you're doing in North Carolina politics, your service in the North Carolina Senate. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. We've, I've enjoyed it. Sheila said this morning, she said, we've got to get going. I said, well, I'm, I'm dragging a little today. Uh, so I'm trying to get up and get ready and get going. And she's got an interview process at 1030. All right. So we're trying to move around. But thank you for having us. Thank you for what you do. We listen to your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. 
The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. All right, little fun fact here. The first day of Senate orientation was the day we sat down with Senator Mary Wills Bodie. Prior to her taking office, she had come in in November. She had just won a very difficult election. And she was here in town, in Raleigh, for Senate orientation. She comes in. We're just meeting her. We're having her on the podcast. You may remember we wanted to talk to her and Senator Benton Sorry, prior to them taking office. Uh, kind of get their perspective, and then we interviewed them later. But then in that first conversation, Sky, she came in saying, I just met Eddie Settle and was talking about what a great guy he was. And she was looking forward to serving with him. Uh, since then, it's obvious that Senator Bodie, along with Senator Settle and Senator Benton, sorry, that they have become very close friends. And it helps that they sit on the back row together in the Senate they are seatmates that they tend to talk to each other during votes after votes and it's great to see this bipartisan friendship this really in many ways you could even say cross-generational friendship senator settle miss sheila thank you for stopping by the podcast this week and spending time with us tweet of the week The Tweet of the Week is sponsored by the North Carolina Pork Council, representing hog farmers around the state working hard to do agriculture better. Today, hog farms are reducing their carbon footprint by covering lagoons, reducing emissions, and generating renewable natural gas. To learn more, visit ncpork.org. This week's Tweet of the Week is from Will Doran. He's at Will underscore Doran on X, formerly Twitter. His tweet says, so smart of the CIA to make sure Taylor Swift and the Chiefs didn't win until overtime. Make it look real. Deep state showing why they're undefeated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fears were realized when the, the Chiefs won. Some of the conspiracies, they did not come to be, though. Uh, trophy award ceremony we were supposed to get some endorsements and things like that but nfl scripted (laughs) nfl rigged (laughs) i mean do you think the government was behind travis kelsey belting out viva las vegas as he was getting uh interviewed by by jim nance actually the city of las vegas was (laughs) as a paid advertisement I don't know. I was looking at... uh, I don't know that that would attract anyone. You pointed out last week how Taylor Swift seemed to cringe. I could see the ick. It happened again. Yeah. I'm really into Jason Kelsey, though. The whole thing of him wearing the overall Chiefs outfit, the mask, Mm -hmm. the dancing, the the drunkenness... (laughs) And him almost running into a plant, what looked like the Bellagio in at five in the morning. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You enjoyed the game? Well, I only watched half of it. And you're, you stayed agnostic on who you were rooting for. Yeah. All right. 
I went to a Super Bowl party on Sunday. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you guys can't go two days without having a neighborhood party. Yeah. Well, what I love about it is everyone's saying, look, we're only good for the half. Then we're all going home. And that's great. I like that. I respect that. Carry style. Very carry style. And you bring stuff over to the house, which requires going to the grocery store. And this brings up an issue I wanted to talk to you about. Is this the Girl Scouts or seeing someone at the grocery store? Because both are things that you keep talking about. Yeah. You believe you got scammed by the Girl Scouts. I did get scammed by the Girl Scouts. And you're really aggressive about it (laughs) despite having 23 boxes of cookies (laughs) i purchased 24 boxes i got 23 boxes i paid them 120 dollars i should have paid them only 115 dollars now i bought those cookies on saturday night in preparation of the super bowl party they told me, these Girl Scouts, that they were leaving at 6 o'clock. I bought these cookies at 5.30. I get home. I unpack my groceries. I see that I have been jilted, and I immediately think I need to go back up there and confront these Girl Scouts. It's 6 o'clock. I can't do it. I will do it tomorrow. Sunday morning, I go back to the Harris Teeter. One, I needed to pick up some other stuff. Two, I see the Girl Scouts setting up. I'm like, I'm going to confront those girls, and I'm going to get my box of lemonades. But my wife says, you can't do that. Because you said it was a different troop. It looked like a different troop. Have you ever considered (laughs) that they were looking out for you? Maybe they looked at you and thought, he doesn't need 24 boxes of cookies. (laughs) (laughs) I would have appreciated them actually saying that, sir, have you considered just making a donation to us? Uh, You really don't need this many boxes of cookies. Well, what happened was a small child made a mistake and you're going (laughs) to confront them? (laughs) I just either want my $5 Really, like, stand in your power? Like, (laughs) how embarrassing for you. Yeah. So you would not have done it if you had gotten home and seen that you only had 23 boxes and you bought 24, you would not have gone back and said, hey, you guys owe me a box of lemonades. No, consider it a charitable donation Hmm, to the Girl Scouts. All right. Well, I guess I have no choice. You're not really a charity type of person, as I learned recently. (laughs) I am a charity person. I just want my charity to be charity, and I want my boxes of cookies to be cookies. Okay, I asked you on Friday if you would start volunteering with me. I volunteer on Mondays and on Fridays, two different organizations, Mm -hmm. and you said no. I said, why? And you said, you were fine with volunteer. I said, why do you hate volunteering? (laughs) And you said, I don't hate volunteering. I just wish it paid better. (laughs) That was me being a joke maker. Uh-huh. Do you know uh-huh. what a joke maker is? Yes. That's someone who makes jokes. I know that joke because you only have five jokes you rotate through, and that's one of the five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing is, is that Mondays, you go at four o'clock. No, no, no. This was Fridays. I go Fridays. But sometimes I'm not here on Friday. I don't want to commit to that. It's I need, rewarding. Is it? It's reading to kids. Yeah. And you get them, they get so excited when they realize they get to keep the books. Mm. They just don't have support at home, people to listen to them read or someone to read with them. So that's why you're there. Yeah. 
Don't you feel? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but I am really busy confronting <laughs> small children about how they shorted me, so I don't have time to do that. <laughs> um, well, maybe if I got more support about my situation with the Girl Scouts, I would support your situation with volunteering. What's your other complaint? You said you had two? Yeah, the other complaint is that I saw someone in the grocery store, and we talked, like on aisle three, because we bumped into each other on aisle three. So I'm coming up from one end, they're coming up from the other end. We meet in the middle, and we talk. And we had a good conversation. How are the kids? haven't seen you since summer. You're looking forward to the game, blah, blah, blah. And then we say our goodbyes. But then we're across each other, aisle three, and then we end up on aisle four, crossing each other again. Aisle five, aisle six. We are crossing each other, like aisle seven, eight, all the way through. And the thing is, is I said hello again. And we made a little more small talk. Now, as we moved through the aisles, it just got to be like, don't even talk to each other. And it was very awkward. It's, it feels like we should say, hey, I hope you're doing well, aisle three. Hope you're doing well. We're going to see each other again in the future aisles. Let's just go ahead and say goodbye now. Or is that too much? That's a lot. I, I feel know. the need to talk to them every time you see them. You say hello. What does that say That's about a, you? It's, it's, I don't know. What does that say about me? I don't know. I mean, you want to say, hey, yeah, hey. And, and then you say stupid things like, oh, yeah, Oreos are on sale today. And, you know, just crazy stuff. Seeing people in the grocery store makes me want to go to another town. Zero percent. I cannot relate. As I've said before, I grew up with Philip David, (laughs) who just looks someone in the face and says, I don't want to talk to you and walks away. So, like, I, I can't relate to this. I can't say that to people. And that's because you do always want to talk. You refuse to get off the phone on a phone call. You call me at night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you FaceTime me. You you love bothering people. So I can't see you as someone who would say, we're going to say goodbye now. And then you see them and then nothing. You think this is a deficiency of mine that I like to talk to people? No, that's not what the deficiency is. The deficiency is that you like to be liked by everyone. Do you make small talk in the grocery store? Do you you don't do what your father does? Do you? No, but you know how when you go to Trader Joe's, you have to be like in the right mental state yeah. because you're about to have a full conversation with the cashier. And sometimes I just like I don't have it in me. I would just like to self check out. I don't want to have a full conversation about every item I grabbed at Trader Joe's and what they think of it or oh what are you making with these four things and then like one time a guy who was ringing up my stuff at Trader Joe's told me the entire story of his divorce which I did not need to know so I get it in that sense Mm. I do like talking to the cashiers I find it's like the security people they're normal I guess the difference is grocery store cashiers security they're just getting you through the line, and it's easier to end the conversation. I just got to practice ending conversations. We should end this conversation on the podcast today. As we get further and further into primary season, we'll be covering more primary races that y'all are interested in. Let us know if you have one you'd like us to cover. And as we get into the general, then we'll get into general election races. We will talk to y'all next week. Happy Lent season to you all. But for now, please remember, 
to do politics better.